The title of my message today is Stir Up a Hunger. As you remember uh, last week, as I kind of set the pace for us for 2023, that we're going to go deeper than we ever have, and we're going to stay hungry in 2023. And I began to talk to us about what it means to be hungry for the things of the Lord. And I also gave you a passage of scripture from Romans chapter 13, verses 14, which is our scripture of the year, which says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Passage of scripture that really resonated with my heart this week as I was reading my Bible was Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not come for an Airbnb visit, but dwell, abide, live in you. And so as a part of clothing yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a part of going deeper than ever, as a part of staying hungry in 2023, I want us to begin to focus in on our need for the word of God. I talked about that last week and I have said that all of the month of January is going to be about the word, the word, the word, reading of the word, taking on the word, consuming and digesting the word. Keep your nose in the book. All of the month of February, although we're going to talk about love and some other things as that month approaches and brings it and uh, comes on, but during the month of February, we're going to be doing some prayer and fasting. And so I'm going to talk about prayer. Keep your knees bent to heaven. And so that's going to be January and February. And then in March, it's going to be about keeping your body in the house of God because we're getting ready to kick off our Believer School of Excellence, which is our, uh, if you will, our most powerful form of discipleship and making disciples is what we do in our Believer School of Excellence. And so you're going to be hearing more and more about that. So we got this month. Bible, 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 Bible. Everybody say Bible. Bible. And then next month, prayer, 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 prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. The one thing that believers seem to neglect may, to your surprise, be prayer. I'm sorry, it's not prayer. Prayer is not the thing that's the most neglected. I read my sentence wrong there. The thing that's most neglected with the average believer is the reading of God's word, reading of the Bible. You can ask just about anybody, what's your prayer life like? Oh, I pray all day long. I pray all the time. And uh, I wonder how we are, though, with our Bible reading. I, I, I venture to say that not many people read with great um, um, passion the Bible every single day. For most of us, we wouldn't think of leaving the house maybe uh, in the morning without some kind of prayer, especially if the roads are bad. Lord, keep me safe. You know, we're going to say some kind of prayer. <clears throat> if you have had trouble with your vehicle, Lord, make sure my vehicle makes it to work today, you know. Uh, so we don't have any trouble leaving the house, heading out for the day in this crazy world without offering up some kind of prayer, yet many will start their day and head out into this crazy world without reading a single verse of Scripture. I, I say to you that the most neglected thing 
in the average Christian's life is not prayer. It's the reading of the Bible. And many of us are okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the Bible read to me on Sunday. And then pastor's going to bloviate for about 35 or 40 minutes. And uh, that's good enough. I, I say to you that it's not. I say it's not good enough. We, we recognize, for example, the need to ask God to protect us. We recognize the need to pray to God to guide us, to lead us, to help us, to bless us. But number one on your handout, <coughs> excuse me, is that we fail to realize that it's in the reading and meditating on the written word of God that we find our best blessings. I know it's going to mess with people from the prayer team for me to say, your best blessings don't come by prayer. Now, I'm a praying man, and I believe in prayer. Those on the prayer team know this, but your best blessings come from right here. In fact, the thing that ought to motivate anyone who calls themselves a Christian to pray should be what they're getting out of here. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 said, This book of the law shall not <coughs> excuse me, depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Look here. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It did not say, you must stay on your knees 24-7. Now again, I'm not speaking against prayer. What I'm kind of building up and trying to build up today is the fact that reading the word is so important to us. This is what I want to convey to you today. You guys want to, hey, you want to keep it down over here? Thank you. Sorry to have to do that. So number two is uh, this on your handout. It's in and through the word of God that God reveals himself to us. It's by getting in here. Gentlemen, I'm gonna, I'll separate y'all. Or you can do it yourself. Good job. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. They may not be bothering you, but they were bothering me. So, <laughs> Somebody smile at me for crying out loud. <laughs> Parents are going, dear heavens, don't talk to each other. No, I'll only get on to you if I catch you playing games on your phone. You guys are getting way too serious today. Come on, calm down. Without the word, we can't know God. You can pray all day long. But most of the time, our prayers are wish list from our own spirit and not necessarily attributes of God and character of God. We, we can only know what he's like by spending time in the word. You will never truly know God without meditating on the scriptures. Did you all hear me? You'll never truly know God without meditating on the scriptures. You won't know what his will is. You won't know what his plan is. You, know, you won't know what he wants you to do or who he wants you to be without looking deeply into the holy scriptures. You see, my phrase, keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven and your body in the house of God is not some clever cliche. I truly believe with all my heart, if good believers would stay strong in those three areas, they would find success, predominantly find success in all areas of life. 
So you can't even know what to do or who to be without the word of God. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 says, He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. He didn't say he, he, he awakens me morning more morning and he, he awakens my mouth to talk. Now I'm a prayer in the morning and I'm a reader in the morning. But scripturally what we find is the necessity and the need to get this in here. Did y'all hear me? I didn't say get this in here. It may have to travel through here before it gets here, but you've got to get this in here. You can't get this in here if you don't get this out of there. Are you hearing me? There's nothing more needed than to hear God speaking to us in the morning. It's, and that's only possible when you open your Bible. You're like, well, no, he speaks to me in the still, small voice of my heart. I understand that. I understand that. That is one of the ways that God speaks. Or he speaks to me through a minister or another mentor in my life. And I understand that's the way that God speaks as well. And there's some other obscure means by which God can speak to us. But the most powerful and the most present, the most prevalent, the most available way to hear God speak is right there. Can I get a better amen from someone in this house today? It's right there in his word. And yet this, by and large, is the most neglected practice for most Christians. Voracious reading of the word of God. Sure is quiet in this church this morning. And you may know the Bible cover to cover. And you may be able to quote passages of scripture like crazy. But you know what? That, does ne that never eliminates the need to ponder and meditate on the things you're reading. You might say, well, I've read the whole Bible cover to cover for over and over again. And I can quote scriptures up one side and down the other. But if you're not spending time meditating and pondering and, and extracting everything you can from the scriptures that you're quoting, you've got head knowledge and it makes you look good. Number three, we need to be diligent about keeping the truth and power of God's word ever before us. I so wish that I could inject upon you and into you this need, this hunger um, for the word of God, to be desperate for the word of God. The result of neglecting and reading the word is a slow disintegration of your standard of living. Just stay away from reading the word for a season, for a period of time, and watch how you spiritually disintegrate. It happens to the very best of us. And then we find ourselves out of alignment, like a car that has a front end that's out of alignment. It can only go so fast before it starts shimmying and shaking all over. And I say this, that without the word of God in your life, you will become a human out of alignment. You will, be, you will, you will get out of tune. And I thought about that as it relates to um, playing guitar. I'm a guitarist, have been for many, many years. And uh, there was a day in my life where there, when there wasn't a single day that went by that I didn't spend an hour or more playing the guitar and practicing and working on new stuff and so forth and so on. And I had great big swollen calluses on the end of my fingers. And, and I just was, it, my fingers were uh, nimble and limber and uh, lots of tactile activity going on there. 
And then, honest to goodness, when we got such good good, player, good guitar players in here, I didn't play for like ever. My, my guitars just stayed in the case. And then, and then Jonathan says, all my guitar players are gone, you're up. You're up next. And I'm like, what? I don't have calluses anymore. And, and then I pick up the guitar and my fingers just fumble over the top of each other and I can't even say, seem to play the simplest notes because I'm out of practice I'm out of alignment, and I become, if any of y'all have ever heard a guitar that's out of tune, the primary instrument in the band being out of tune, how many know that's a bad deal? Now, I drive our praise team crazy because I can hear the slightest out of tune. I go, hey, your B string's a little bit sharp. Fix that, and so forth and so on. But that only comes because of when I get back into practice, even with the ear. To be able to hear what I need to hear and the hands to be nimble enough to do what they're supposed to do. So I can't, I can't just set it aside and go, well, I have all this knowledge. I have all this ability. But if I never practice it, it's going to go to waste. And I'll have to work really hard to recuperate any of it. And, and Diane can tell you, she's seen me, uh, after not playing for a long time, spend an hour almost every day playing and then get up from the table playing, go, oh my gosh, my fingers are throbbing. If only I'd have stayed with it, I wouldn't have had to regroup all that strength. Are y'all hearing my analogy this morning? So number four is if we want to stay tuned into God, we must never take a break from reading the Bible. Never. I hope I'm getting into some of y'all today, especially those of you who probably don't spend a great deal of time opening your Bible. And, and I pray this isn't true, that there may be some of you here today that never open your Bible. Now, uh, how many of you ever heard of the pianist uh, Arthur Rubinstein? Anybody ever hear? Okay, at least one, two, or three. Uh, he said that he never omits his daily practice on the piano. He's a concert professional pianist, and he never misses a single day of practice. Now, you would think that anybody that that's accomplished, it would be all right to miss a day, right? But he says, if I ever missed a day, the quality of my playing would at once begin to deteriorate. He said, if he missed practice for three days, his public audience would be able to tell it. If he missed practice for two days, his closest friends who know what he sounds like would be able to tell it. And he said if he missed practice for even one day, he himself would know it. I don't care how much of the Bible you think you know or how many scriptures you think you can, you can quote. If you're out of practice, you're out of alignment, and you are deteriorating. Sometimes we can't see it happening. It's the same for the Christian walk. In order to stay tuned into God, there should never be a break in the daily study and reading of God's word. Never. Y'all are thinking, well, when, but when I go on vacation, hey, your Bible ought to be going with you. Diane and I went on a vacation a couple, three years ago, and I was, I was working on reading my Bible, and everywhere we went, I took my Bible with me, and we're sitting at the channel down in, I don't remember where we were at. I don't think it was Saugatuck or South Haven that time. And everywhere we went, I'd pull my Bible out and get to reading. Next thing you know, some guy walks up, says, 
must be a preacher or something like that. And I went, yep, you're working on your message? I went, yep, working on my message. I just couldn't get enough. I couldn't, I was hooked. I was hooked. I was addicted. If there's a, you know what? If, it's a, if there's anything good to be addicted to, it would be Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and His Holy, His Church. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, uh, you know, we're supposed to be like a city on a hill that everyone can see. And most of us don't have a light that shines that bright. Well, I believe that one day without the Word of God drains some of the power that we need for that light to shine. Miss a couple of days, and those closest to you will begin to see a difference in your attitude and notice something lacking in you. Miss three days, like Rubenstein talked about, uh, and fail to study and read the scriptures and watch the unbelieving world around you notice a change in how you talk and how you think and in what you do, in your attitude and in your energy level and everything else, because this is a life source. I'm glad you're so enthused about that. This is the life. But the, the scriptures teach us that to read the word and those that find it, it is health and life to their body. This is a life source. The Bible helps us to know and become, become more like Christ, to put him on, to be clothed in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not just so we can, hey, man, I'm a super, super Christian no, it's so your light can shine. It's so that you can be expressive to someone else about what God is doing in your life. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. That's you. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are on the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. <coughs> Excuse me. And glorify your Father in heaven. Everywhere that you go, you're supposed to be an expression of your Christianity. And you, your expression of Christianity will pale and get out of alignment and out of tune. Just like my guitar playing, if it's left alone and it's just a once a week 30-minute thing at church on Sunday. We should be like a, a lit city on a hill for all to see. What's the point? So they can find their way. So they can find their way. Number five. Here's my premise. Number five. The more you stay in the Word, the brighter you're going to shine. The more you stay in the Word, the brighter you're going to shine. The more you stay in the Word the more that Christ will shine through you for others to see. Our Christianity isn't about ourselves, beloved. Our, our Christianity is about us accepting Christ and, be, and sacrificing ourselves to be a disciple of Christ and then carrying that message to other people and helping them find the same salvation. John chapter 15, verse 10 says, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain, his, remain in his love. Are you hearing me? Only those who obey the words of Jesus Christ abide in his love, according to that scripture. Only those that obey. And in order to keep the commandments, here's a really deep philosophical, theological, you know, I had to get an edumacation for this one. 
the only way to keep his commands is to know his commands. And the only way to know his commands is to discover his commands. I want to abide in the love of Christ. Can I get a witness from somebody? And it says the only way that I can abide in the love of Christ is to keep his commands. And the only way to keep his commands is know his commands. And the only way to know his commands is to find them and read them and do them. Can I get a witness from somebody? We need it. We ask God <coughs> to guide us uh, through the day. The psalmist said in the 119th Psalm, verse 133, guide my steps by your word. Are you hearing me? Your daily steps are to be ordered and guided by the word of God. So when I talk to you about keep your nose in the book and you have to have a daily uh, a legitimate practice of reading the Word of God. I'm not doing something that's over your head or something that, you know, maybe, maybe it's hard to understand the Bible sometime, and that, that's okay. That's a part of it, of learning how to understand the Bible, but you read it and you reread it and you reread it and you reread it and you reread it and you read it again. Then you get a new Bible and you read it again. Huh? Come on, somebody. He says, guide my steps by your word. Number six, God leads us through his word. He leads us through his word. Beloved, I cannot express to you how imperative it is for you to read the word of God. To read your Bible. How can you get his guidance if you do not read? Since your daily steps are ordered by the word. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome with evil. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word, the written word is your daily guide. You need it every day. Now, how many of y'all, including me, take some kind of prescribed medicine regularly? Raise your hand. You're on, you take, so the doctors have prescribed a medicine for you to take. Usually they'll be like, take one in the morning with food, maybe one in the evening with food. And you're faithful to take that. In fact, some of you may even freak out a little bit when you think, oh my God, did I take it? Did I miss it? What if we had that same hunger and thirst for the word? I got to have my spiritual medicine every morning. So the written word is our daily guide. Now, again, as I said a moment ago, and I say this to our prayer team especially, I am a prayer warrior and I believe in prayer big time. But the Bible did not say that prayer was a lamp to our feet. It did not say that prayer was a light to our path. It said that the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The Bible is your light. Now here's what a lot of us do. I guess the, the illustration that I thought of was a, a dark, stormy night and the power goes out and it's dark. And you grab your flashlight and you turn your flashlight on and you set it in the room and then you leave the room to go do what you need to do. But it's dark. And the only place that the light's shining is where the flashlight is at. What's the point? 
does no good when the power's out, when trouble comes, when the storms arise, to go trying to grope around in the dark while your flashlight is in another room. You don't go groping around in this world with your Bible collecting dust on the shelf. It's the flashlight that guides your steps, and you need it everywhere that you go. You mean I got to run around with a Bible big enough to choke a horse? No, I didn't say that. Most of us, we got it right here. Ta-da-da! Right? This used to be something that was left at home hooked to the wall. Right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you had to wait till the other neighbors got off the party line before you could even make a call to get out. I know I'm, I'm dating myself a little. And then we were so thankful when they came up with the super long coily cords because you could still leave it on the wall and go into the kitchen and do your stuff. But not anymore. Now this is, this is as much a part of our body as our body is. Most people nowadays, they never have this out of their hand. It's always in their hand. I wonder how much people are reading the Bible. Oh, you are using the flashlight every now and again, right? <laughs> so modern technology, all the information in the world that we need, right here in the palm of my hand. Every piece of information and knowledge that's ever been gathered, right here in the palm of my hand. I can simply access the information, the data or knowledge, by a simple uh, search, entry, and a few thumb scrolls. And I can find anything, find out anything I want. I can learn to do anything I want right here in the palm of my hand. Used to be we had to lay out all kinds of books and go to the library. Huh? And then try to figure. So, so for the younger, you know, for us that are older, I, re, I remember walls, or excuse me, uh, phones that only stayed on the wall and only had the dial and, and party lines. I remember those days. Um, but for the younger generation, the younger generation has no clue. I bet, I bet you guys, have y'all ever even seen a phone that's hooked to the wall? You have? You have one? Is it wireless or it got a cord? It's wireless. Okay, it didn't even have a cord, so you can go anywhere. But, I, you know, I mean, I know what's, you got it right there in the palm of your hand. I got mine with me all the time as well. And something that we need, you know, everything for the younger generation is, is about what we can have on our device and my connectivity with my device. And, and heaven for life falls apart when the device falls apart or gets lost. That happens for a lot of us adults. But for the younger generation, that's a big deal. Most of the younger generation does not know a day in their life that there wasn't some kind of device available for them, okay? And it's, uh, everything's entertaining, everything's interactive, everything's uh, sensory overload. It's like life has been reduced to a scroll, a swipe, and a tap. Life, that's what life has been reduced to right here. And it's somewhat of a quantum leap, if you think about it, to try to get the younger generation from this to one of these. 
I got to have an old school leather bound. I'm vegan. I don't want a leather bound Bible. Okay, well, you can get imitation leather. <laughs> I'm a tree hugger, so I don't, you're cutting down trees to make paper. Jesus made trees and he makes new ones all the time. Can I get a witness from somebody? My point is that my point is to trying to help the younger generation make the quantum leap from this to this. And maybe some of the older generation needs to carry this with you, but bring this with you as well. And, you know, what needs to change? What do I need to do to see this as precious, as invaluable? What needs to happen that, that I can see this as a priceless treasure in my in my hands, not just a, the good book on the dusty shelf. What can I do as a pastor to help good, strong Christians see this as the most precious and important thing in their life? Well, the first thing is to get rid of the idea that when you see someone who's crazy and, 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 and fanatical and adamant about prayer in the Bible that somehow you think they have received a special grace or a special gifting or a special anointing from the Lord for prayer and Bible study, or, or maybe the notion that you're the pastor, that's your job, that's what you're supposed to do after all. You have to realize, and this is number seven on your paper, even for the seasoned Christian, it's a daily fight to stay disciplined in prayer and especially in Bible reading and study. Any of you all who have been a Christian for any time at all, especially for many years, if, you're, if you were going to be honest, you will, you will admit that it's still a fight after all these years to stay on it, to stay in it, to stay doing it on a very regular basis. Still to this day, it's a battle. It's a fight. Often I have to go back and read the same passage that I read before because I was thinking about something completely different while I was reading it. I can go through a whole chapter and read it with my finger moving down the page and not have a recollection of anything I read because I was thinking about the bowl that I'm turning out in the shop. Huh? After all these years, you'd think I'm a professional Bible reader by now. After all these years, it's still a battle. It's still a fight. But here's what I do. I don't go, well, I read that. Check mark. I go back and read it again. Then I got to pick up somewhere else because I thought about something that distracted my attention. So you need to know this. It isn't because there's a special anointing or a special gifting uh, on anyone's life to have this hunger for it. it, it it's, it's a fight to stay focused and to stay, and here's a word we all love, disciplined. We like that word, don't we? We're kind of more accepting of it right now that we're only just a few days into the first of the year because many of you have made some resolutions that's going to require some discipline. Right? Along with that last. So it's, it's work. It's hard work sometimes. There's, there's some mornings that I get up and I go, oh, do I want to read right now or do I want to read later? And then in my brain, I'm going, yeah, if I, if I choose later, I'm probably going to miss it. That's just me. 
And I go, no, you need to go sit down and read right now. Did you hear what I'm saying? That was discipline. I ordered myself. Go sit down, get a cup of coffee, and get your Bible and read. Oh, I wish you guys could get this. I wish this was such a part of everyone's life. So I have to realize and often remind myself that the option to not read and study the Bible is to spiritually disintegrate and potentially spiritually die. It's not a special grace. It's not a special gifting. It's not a special anointing only given to certain people. It's a discipline for us all. I've had people tell me, oh my gosh, Pastor, you can quote so many scriptures. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, I can't believe all the scriptures that you quote. And I just want to promise you right now, I'm not that smart. I've just read it so many times that it's in there. I don't even, I didn't spend time trying to memorize that passage of scripture. I just read it and reread it and read it again and reread it again and then read it in another translation and so hungry for the word that I don't even know that it's found its way into my hard drive and into my database until it's time for that scripture and out it comes and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That came by repetition and discipline. I used to watch preachers, especially evangelists, come into the church. This is back in the day when I was a youth pastor here and I watched those evangelists come in they didn't carry a notebook with them. They didn't carry any notes with them. They just carried their Bible, and they preached up a storm with just their Bibles. And I'm like, how do they do that? And one of my minister friends said, that's because they pretty much preach the same three messages everywhere they go. <laughs> and I went, repetition, repetition, repetition. That's what I, I don't need to look for their special gifting as though they had one. But I need to stay disciplined and do the work that's necessary to read it and then read it again and read it again and read it again and read it again. I don't want to take a, a poll on how many people have never read the Bible cover to cover because I venture to say probably many. And probably many of those who would say, I've never read the Bible cover to cover, have been Christians for years. Y'all staring at me. So it's not a special grace, Chuck. It's not a special gifting. It's not a, an anointing that's only for certain people to read. Pastor, praise, please pray I have the anointing to read. No, get up off your hiney and read. Or either sit down on your honey and read. Whichever one it is. Just read. So number eight, you have to cultivate the discipline of reading the Bible. I didn't say it comes easy. In fact, I said it was work. We're, we're, we aren't opposed to cultivating disciplines in many areas of our life. I wonder why it's so hard to cultivate the discipline to read the Word of God. If you're involved in a sporting activity, you have to go through the gauntlet of basic disciplines in order to put yourself into a position to win. Discipline is something that has to be created. It's something that has to be cultivated in whatever field of interest that you're, or endeavor that you're pursuing. Woodworking, for example, it takes a discipline to do woodworking properly. And one of the 
hardest disciplines of woodworking, at least in my opinion, is the patience that it takes to create something of craftsman's, craftsman's quality. I used to be in such a hurry to run that piece of wood through the sander. Daggone it, it'll take off a quarter inch if I tell it to. The, 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 the sander and the wood are way happier if I take off a 32nd at a time. Or now that I'm into turning, I can certainly get that gouge in there just a little bit farther, take off a little bit more until it catches and across the room goes my bowl. And I went, man, if I'd only had the discipline to be patient and to take my time and have that discipline. How about working out? Uh, I'm, I'm clearly not a bodybuilder, but uh, I've watched a lot of films about bodybuilding and studied the discipline that those people have to make the sacrifices to do the thing that they love, that they're hungry for. And I thought, why can't we as believers have that same hunger for God's word? Because that's the spiritual bodybuilder right there. And it's the most neglected thing by many uh, believers. So it's about developing a discipline. So instead of praying for an anointing to read, why don't you pray for the discipline to read? Because you need it. Oh, I don't need it. You're going to talk enough about it on Sunday. Well, I'll tell you what. When you start only eating one time a week, a very short meal of about 35 minutes, and you only do that once a week, then you've got the right to come to me and go, okay, I think I'm all right with only the word once a week. And I would still disagree with you. But no, we eat, what, two, three, four, five times a day? Huh? Got a breakfast. Because you ate breakfast, now you got this idea that your metabolism is working so good, I got to have a candy bar at 10. And then after the candy bar, you're thinking, man, it's lunchtime. I'm starving. <laughs> you're really not, right? Right, I'm starving. So you have lunch, and then about two in the afternoon, you're like, man, I'm going to get myself a bag of chips, dude. And so you, now you mow down on the chips, and sometimes you're mowing down on the last bit of the bag of chips when you sit down for supper. You sit down for supper, and I'll guarantee you that most of us, if you're like me, before you finish supper, you're going, what's for breakfast? Huh? We are consumed by consuming food, but we are not consumed by consuming the true bread of life, the true food in life. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you don't consume this book and learn to pray, I'm just going to share it. You're going to spiritually disintegrate. That's why we sang that song. Stir up a hunger. Stir up a hunger in my heart. Nothing will satisfy me. Nothing else will do. Stir up a hunger. In just a few minutes, the team's going to come back up. We're going to sing that song again. We're going to worship some more. But I ran across an article. In fact, as the praise team comes and gets ready, um, this article, I do a lot of research when I'm writing messages and stuff, and this particular article was pretty profound, pretty powerful. Powerful enough that I copied the article and I said, I want to read this to the congregation. It says it 
far better than I think I could say it. It's, it's a little bit lengthy, but not, not so long. It's only 11.20, so you've only been in church now for an hour and 20 minutes, and we'll be out of here in time to go have chicken, so it's all good. So bear with me, and you will be challenged and blessed by what I'm about to read. Are you ready? Each new year boasts new events, whether it's the recently elected officials or the Detroit Lions winning in the playoffs. I added that part, just saying. <laughs> no year's the same. But despite these novelties, the turn of the calendar consistently delivers in two ways. The flood of fresh exercise commitments and the relatively brief lifespans of the same. There's just something about the season's newness, the starting over, that makes us want to capture it. With the storm of gym goers, we also see an uptick in Bible reading plans as neglected devotionals are revisited with post-holiday vigor. However, like exercises, these resurgencies are often short-lived. It isn't as if we're unaware of what's at stake. We're not. The importance of regular exercise is common knowledge. The benefits well known. And most understand that a commitment to God's word would be life-changing. In neither case is a lack of understood benefit the reason we fail. Rather, for one reason or another, we struggle to make the habit stick. Can I get a witness from anybody? In Psalm 119, verse 9, the psalmist graces us with a helpful literary feature called question and answer. And the question he is asks is, how can a young man keep his way pure? To which he replies, by guarding it according to God's word. It is by his word that God leads us into the good life, the life of godliness. 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, there's no specific amount of time spoken of. We know that any experience with God's word is to our benefit. So why is it so difficult to get started? The simple answer is because it's not easy. As a general rule, greater rewards require greater effort. And the Bible reward is great indeed. If we approach our prospective Bible reading habit expecting a cakewalk... We will be discouraged when it's anything but that. I'm just being honest with you all today. Let me continue. Simply saying it isn't easy may be an oversimplification. But in today's on-demand world, a proper perspective can go a long way. Sometimes the first hurdle is admitting something is more difficult than we thought. Providing us an opportunity to reevaluate and decide if we'll shrink from the task or rise to the task. You may be thinking to yourself that reading the Bible is easy, that you just haven't gotten around to it, but that you eventually will. Yet the unfortunate reality is we don't. <coughs> we don't read our Bibles as much as we want or as much as we should. And if you do, you have already cultivated a healthy Bible reading habit, then that's amazing. You are ahead of the curve. And your friends need your encouragement. But for one, everyone else, the first step is admitting that it's actually kind of tough. Obviously, developing healthy Bible reading habits isn't as simple as passing interest added to reading ability. We're up against a lot here. 
and no less than the powers of Satan and the temptations of sin. Deep down, we all know we should be paying more attention to our Bibles. If you're like I was, you've probably already given it your best shot. Even going a full week without missing a day. Only to lie down one evening and realize a week has passed since you last read. The habit simply won't stick. Eventually, distractions slip in. Burying our dedicated plans under sports practices and weekend excursions and the constant demanding chime of our cell phones. So be comforted, we're all in this together. You are not the first Christian to struggle with his or her Bible reading. However, I also want you to be uncomfortable, uncomfortable enough to make a change. The enemy is happy to see Christians ignore their Bibles and overjoyed to see us wallow in the resulting guilt. These are his tactics. This is how he fights. He distracts us, and then he accuses us for being distracted. Did y'all catch that? He distracts us and then accuses us for being distracted. Therefore, our response must be swift. If we want 2020, if we want 2023 to be the year of our the year our Bible reading habits reach the next level, then there is something we must understand. We cannot do it alone. Like all the Christian life, this is not a solo mission. We need backup. If we try to do it alone, we'll fail. We must confess that we need God's help, knowing that it pleases Him to do it, and He will help us. It's about a heart posture that requires humility. In Arthur Bennett's, and I'm nearly done with this article, but bear with me, in Arthur Bennett's edited collection of Puritan prayers, The Valley of Vision, one entitled A Minister's Bible, reads as follows. O God of truth, I thank thee for the Holy Scriptures, their precepts, promises, direction, and light. And then may I learn more of Christ, being be able to retain his truth and have grace to follow it. Help me to lift up the gates of my soul that he may come in and show me himself when I search the scriptures. For I have no lines to fathom its depths and no wings to soar its heights. By his aid, may I be enabled to explore all its truths. Love them with all my heart. Embrace them with all my power and engraft them into my life. If men who devoted their lives to the study and application of Scripture thought it necessary to ask God for love for His Word, we would be wise to do the same. We need God's help in this. As fallen people, we're not born with right affections. Instead, we come into this world punching and kicking against the things of God, especially His Word. To remedy this, God gives us his spirit who immediately goes to work redeeming our desires. The spirit causes us to want to pray, to want to worship, to want to read our Bibles. Though we're born weak, the spirit uses our weaknesses as avenues for God's strength to shine through. And we can lean into that. Just as we need hard work to develop healthy Bible reading habits, so the inverse is true. We need God's word established habit or not to grow in our hearts this ain't just about let me get my own commentary in this ain't just about you reading your bible plan this is about you getting something from here to here 
to here, so it comes out here and here. So it ain't about checking off. C.S. Lewis, anybody ever hear of C.S. Lewis? He writes this. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor or not. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. What Lewis is saying is that even if we don't feel like we love our neighbors, we should act as if we do, and then we will. This principle can apply to our Bible reading as well. The Bible's not magical. But Paul tells us that God's word is power for those who believe, meaning it nourishes us even when we aren't the best readers. Are you hearing this? It nourishes us even when we're not the best readers. So if you're struggling to make the habit stick, Lewis, C.S. Lewis would say, read on, and maybe we'll find a love for God's word after all. If he chose to, God could snap his fingers And grant us all the motivation and discipline to read our Bibles an hour a day, every day of the week. But that doesn't happen. What God has chosen to do is work through his word. Paul tells Timothy that scripture is God-breathed and is useful in training for righteousness that we may be complete in God. God's word is like a teacher who with the Spirit's help instructs us in the things of God and forms us into godly people, people who read their Bibles. Therefore, in a large sense, we must do the very thing we wish to improve at doing in order to get better at doing it. Let me say that sentence again. We must do the very thing we wish to improve at doing in order to get better at the thing we're trying to do. The more you read your Bible, the better you'll get at it. The more you read your Bible, the more you'll fall in love with it. I'm going to finish. As Christians, we've received a spirit that loves God. In fact, God's own spirit lives in us. So when we expose ourselves to God's word, our spirit responds with satisfaction. For this reason, even if you haven't cultivated the habit you desire, act as if you have. Proceed as though your only desire is to honor God by going to him and his word. Read your Bible, study it diligently, and practice the spiritual discipline you wish to master. And God, who is faithful to his promise, will establish it in your heart. Wow. Praise God. I'm going to read his conclusion. Skipped over a couple things, but that's fine. I want to read his conclusion. And then we'll bring our service to a close by worshiping him. Here's his conclusion. Pastor and author, author H.B. Charles Jr. gives this instruction. Guard your quiet time with the Lord vigilantly. Today I take these words to heart. As Christians in a post-Christian world, we must protect our time with the Lord with great determination. Like a growling dog over a bone, we cannot allow anything to interfere. As a fallen person myself, I know what it's like to live with the guilt of spiritual idleness and neglect. I've been there. Has anybody ever been there? You've gotten spiritually idle and have neglected the disciplines that you're supposed to do, and it's a miserable 
it's a miserable existence and a miserable feeling. Before becoming a more serious Bible reading, having still so far to go, I was merely the owner of a beautiful brown leather Bible. It was a hard cover and it looked very impressive wherever it sat. The cover was mostly for show. However, as I rarely opened it. It remained on my nightstand day after day, week after week, month after month for almost four years. During that time, I begged God to help me read my Bible. I wanted desperately to want to read it for its joys, its encouragements, and for God. And as an answer to my prayers, my life was and still is a cascade of challenges for which the Bible would have been the perfect balm. But I I prof- I, but I, professing with my mouth a desire for God's word, with my actions, refused. You hear that? He had the desire, even when he spoke that desire with his mouth, but his actions still left his Bible sitting on the table. Colossians 3.16 instructs us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. His word is not merely an accessory to our lives. It is central. Even if we haven't developed the reading habits we desire, we start by confessing we should and then we, and that we need God's help. After that, we must simply commit, bathing in the word as it were, confident that God will use it to mold us into people who love it. The Lord is faithful even when we are not. He convicts our hearts of their idols and leads us to his word where they are highlighted and struck down and our love for his word has grown. Here's the close. We are reminded that Olympic athletes are not made overnight. From five years old, these men and women submit to strict schedule of practice, exercise, and diet so that one day they can run a race, receive a medal, hang it up, and that's it. One race... And it's over. Here's his final statement. You and I race for eternity. What should our practice look like? Wow. We race for eternity. What should our practice look like? Last week I mentioned uh, an author, uh, Tommy Tenney, in his book, Experiencing His Presence. And in that book he prayed a prayer uh, that I read to you all last week that I felt like it's a prayer that we should, we should regularly have in our arsenal. And it says, Lord Jesus, my soul aches at the mere mention of your name. My heart leaps for every rumor of your coming and each possibility that you'll manifest your presence. I'm not satisfied with mere spiritual dainties. I'm ravenously hungry for you. In your fullness, I'm desperate to feast on the bread of your presence and quench my thirst in the wine of your spirit. I'm praying that for us in 2023, that a hunger and thirst for God drives us in a passionate, relentless pursuit of him and a passionate, relentless pursuit of his holy word. I can't express to you enough how important your daily habit of reading the Word of God is to you, to your children, to your legacy, to your future. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things. And that's what you and I need. That's what we all need is to simply have God increase our hunger, increase my, stir up my hunger, God, stir up a hunger in me, Lord Jesus. Stir up a hunger 
in my heart. Nothing will satisfy me. Nothing else will do. Stir up a hunger. 